Lexington, you guys. It has been a day, hasn't it? Um, you know, normally we're streaming to two pages on Facebook and Instagram, but you know what happened with that today. And uh, so the streams can't go live there. So, hey, we're going live on the YouTube channel. And I'm looking into some alternatives for uh maybe even streaming from my website maybe that would be a good option i think for the future um because we don't know exactly the stability of facebook and instagram right now and so we'll just uh we'll have to revamp and maybe redo the uh whole idea but for now it's just going to stream from youtube and, you know, I will just probably upload the video link to Facebook and uh, we'll go from there. Big shout out to Yasmin Jadoon. Hey, how are you tonight? Good to see you here. Uh, I did put a post up or I tried to put a post up just a little bit ago on Facebook to direct people over here to the YouTube channel. But we'll, I don't know if, you know, they will or not. We'll see. Okay, so tonight we're going to discuss hex signs and browkery in the Red Church. And um, this is an old system of North American traditional folk magic. And not a lot of people know about it. This is strictly from the culture of Pennsylvania Dutch people. Hey to tell you more. And Kim Mintz, good to see you guys here. If any of you are not subscribed, please click the subscribe button on the channel and the notifications bell. Because, like I said, I think from now on we're going to have to go with the website, uh, live stream, and YouTube and just keep it to that. Because we don't know what's going to happen with all the other platforms. So, um, this is originating from specifically the culture of Pennsylvania Dutch people. This is folk religion, folk magic. This uh, encompasses healing charms or what they call powwow doctoring. And this uh, includes a big variety of healing rituals, not only to treat ailments of their livestock, but also ailments of their family, and more so like anti-witchcraft type of uh, conjuring, 
uh, spells, they called it doctoring, uh, against everyday bad luck affairs. Uh, most often, uh, you hear a lot of um, spells that are specifically for milk that's being stolen from a person's cow. So let's say you have a group of cows and suddenly they stop giving milk and maybe their milk is bloody or there's something wrong with the milk. It was believed in these folk traditions that a witch was stealing the milk from the cow and they go into big explanations of how a witch steals the milk. And so uh, what the witch does to steal the milk would be to get a bucket, just like she's milking an actual cow, and to get a towel, like a kitchen towel, and either to wrap it on an axe handle or wrap it around a stick and actually milk the towel. And it was there are many accounts of this uh, happening and people witnessing this where milk comes out of the towel into the bucket. But of course, whoever the uh, person is stealing uh, the milk from, they don't get any milk. So it's very, very interesting to read and hear the accounts of this. And there are a couple of videos that reference this on YouTube that are documentaries. And what I will try to do is to... Um, put a link to one of them in the comments below after the show that was a really good documentary on it. And, um, and so this all began in the 17th and 18th century. Um, and so people will, were called powwowers or browkers and, um, or doctors, but they, they really weren't doctors. This was all, folk magic and folk traditions. So this was early colonial Pennsylvania. Some of the sects that really uh, practiced this were Anabaptists, Quakers, Lutherans, German Reform, and some Catholic sects. Although the more strict Pennsylvania Dutch religions such as the Schwarzentrubers uh, and some of the Mennonites did not, they thought that this was actually a form of witchcraft, although uh, they're saying that some, in the in the stuff that I read, they're saying that some of the people who fled the old country and came to Pennsylvania, to they wanted to practice their folk magic or their folk traditions um, without oppression, and they were experiencing oppression where they were. So, the practices were uh, the people had veneration of saints. They did uh, liturgical blessings for everyday purposes. They used sacred inscriptions and uh, sacred objects for healing and protection. Uh, so powwow in one of its early spellings is spelled with a W-A-W. And it was actually taken from the Algonquin uh, language in the 17th century uh, because the Algonquin had to have some kind of reference to um, refer to these people and what they were doing. And that was their word for that. 
So it described a healer derived from a verb implying trance or dreaming or divination for healing purposes. And um, on the documentary that we watched on this, um, one of the things that was said that a Braucher or powwower could do uh, was to uh, stop bleeding. And one of the things or the ways that they did that, or to stop burns, one of the ways that they did that was to become really close to the person or the patient that they were doctoring and to either re recite the prayer work directly to the mind, like right next to their head. Um, and sometimes uh, they would actually breathe on the burn to remove the burning pain from that area, but also the breath they would use in and out to remove the burning, but also they were encanting certain prayers while they were doing this. And it's, it's extremely interesting. And so um, let's go on to find out more about this. So the Braucher or Brauchery is more from Pennsylvania Dutch than powwower was the Algonquin type of term used for the practitioner, but Braucher or Brauchery was the Pennsylvania Dutch term used. And that implies a collection of traditional ways, customs, traditions, rituals, ceremonies. That was um, the reference to the Brauker. Now, the most important item that a Brauker had in their possession was the Bible. And um, they didn't go anywhere without their Bible because they could be called on to do any kind of doctoring anywhere, anytime. So they never left their Bible at home. It always went wherever they did. Uh, and they did not do any work without their Bible with them. There were other texts that they referred to or learned things from, um, and those are like esoteric type of texts, like the uh, five books of Moses was one of those. The sixth and seventh books of Moses. Uh, and there were some books called Egyptian Secrets of Albertus, I'm not familiar with those, but um, these were certainly references that they used and can be traced back to 18th and 19th century German sources. So people who practiced were quite often women who used prayer as well as locally accepted folk remedies. And these were individualized prayers um, and incantations that they sort of put together themselves using their scriptures. And this was seen as acceptable amongst most of the devout Christians. And it was very, very, very popular in the 1940s. For some reason, I'm not sure why it was so popular in 1940, but it was. And the powwow practitioner is more closely allied with theology than medicine. In other words, most of their cures or doctoring were of a spiritual nature, Let's say a woman had a baby who was sick and she felt like maybe someone was conjuring against the child. She would take them to see uh, a doctor, a woman doctor, like a folk healer. 
and the, the woman would doctor the baby. Now, here's something that was very interesting that was in the documentary we watched, and that was that if anyone came into the home after the baby was doctored or after the person was doctored and they got a drink of water, for some reason the spell or the doctoring was undone. And so after that person left from getting a drink of water or coming into the home, the baby had to be doctored all over again because it was said that um, it was unknown who the person who placed the hex or spell on the child was. And so it could be anybody. And so anybody coming into the home to visit, to get a drink of water, or just stopping by, that would undo the doctoring that was performed by the powwow. Now, I did, uh, my dad grew up in Pennsylvania, and at 16 years of age, his father married, <coughs> excuse me, allergies are bad right now, but his father married another woman. And um, my dad's mother left, and they didn't know where she was. And so the other woman that married my grandfather took all the children from the previous marriage and kicked them out of the house, basically. She didn't want them living there. And so he had his, <laughs> so sad, he had his bundle of clothes and stuff, his personal things, and he just started down the road looking for someone to take him in, and it was um, a Pennsylvania Dutch family that took him in, some Amish people by the name of Everly, and so they took him in, and they um, taught him things, and they let him work on their farm, and he learned a technique from them to remove freckles, and so what he told me was uh, until he was 17, he had freckles all over his face. And so what he was taught to do was to go out into the yard at the dawn of the light in the first day of April. And you rub your hands in the dew, the first dew when the light is coming up. And you rub where the freckles are with that dew on your hands. And then you clap where you want the freckles to go. And he clapped on his arms. And he said all the freckles went from his face to his arms. And we have pictures of him as a young uh, kid with freckles on his face. But past his teenage years, he lost all of these on his face and they were covering his arms. So, you know, I have firsthand account of that. Hey to Deborah Hoskins, good to see you on here. So it's very, very interesting, and that's what you're supposed to do to get rid of freckles. So pass that along. That is a, an old, old, old thing that's probably been lost in antiquity. So another characteristic practice of powwow magic is the Himmelsbrief, or Heaven's Letter. And this, um, what this is, is written out, and whoever carries this book that's written out is safe from enemies, visible and invisible. Who care, whoever carries the book with them is safe from all their enemies. Uh, whoever has this book can't die without the holy corpse of Jesus Christ, nor drowned in any water, nor burned in any fire. 
nor can any unjust sentence be passed upon him. So that was really interesting, too. Now, here's another interesting factoid about the family. Uh, when my dad's real mother passed away, in her possessions, she had a little charm. And it was written out, and she kept it in her wallet all of her life. And it was an anti-bad luck charm that was written out. And um, I have it laminated and in my purse today. And um, it is just like whoever approaches me can approach my body, but not my spirit. And it's just kind of like that. But it is very, very interesting, too. So now we get into what we originally were uh, wanting to talk about, and that's hex signs. Now, what you're seeing on the screen is uh, an original hex sign from Pennsylvania that my dad gave to me when I was 16. And it's hanging in my home today, along with several others. And this is just another example of a hex sign. The early, early hex signs um, were originally carved into the barn. They weren't the disc that you're seeing with the painting on there. The original hex signs were for good luck and protection because the barn was something that housed your animals and your animals were your lifeblood and they were your money, your food and everything. And so really it was almost more important to keep your barn than your house. So like the house can be rebuilt, but if you lose your barn and your livestock, then you you're basically at the mercy of, of everything. You, you may die. So originally, when they came over in the 1700s, original hex signs were six-pointed carvings into the actual barn. But as time went on, they painted the hex signs on the barns. And then in more recent years, they're these, okay, which way am I going? <laughs> that way. Uh, there are these boards that have the painting on them. As the years progressed, they added um, the distal finks. Those are the little birds that you see there. They added the hearts and the distal finks, and they added a lot of colors. And I'm going to tell you what all those mean in just a minute. But those were all uh, added later. It was the six-point stars that were the first, and they were carvings. They weren't paintings. Those were added later. So what does all this stuff mean? It's all for luck and to prevent bad things from happening to your family and to your uh, livestock. So um, let's, let's go into what these things mean. So there's a variety of symbols that they use today uh, including birds and flowers, but specifically, here's what some of the things mean. Pomegranates were indicative or symbolized fertility. So, like, a new couple getting married would want to have hex signs of maybe pomegranates on their house. Uh, eagles stood for strength, and so you would want to put that on your barn so that, um, the barn would be strong and hold up under any type of wind or storm, okay? 
Hearts symbolize love. And again, a new couple just getting married. Uh, and that, that would be placed over the hearth of the home or maybe the outside of the home so that uh, love would always come into the home. Birds symbolize luck and happiness. And so on these two right here, you see the distal finks and you see the heart and a distal fink above it. Uh, and so those are all for luck, happiness, and love. Stars that were placed on a hex sign uh, brought good luck. And so if you were a person who was in business, let's say you had a dairy farm and you provided a lot of different stores in the area with milk and you uh, would put up something with stars to bring you good luck in your business enterprises. Tulips symbolized faith and those um, were really solid in home and in the barn because the faith was the basis for all of their life and their uh, business dealings and home dealings were all based in faith. Oak leaves and acorns brought strength along with the eagles and so that would protect the home or the barn from any type of fire, flood, storms, that kind of thing. Rosettes on a hex sign uh, could protect a farm or barn from famine. So uh, if other people were having problems with, you know, maybe their crops, this would protect the farm from ever having problems with, you know, blight or any kind of mold on their crops. And the colors were important too. So you see these two hex signs right here have a lot of bright yellow, bright red, bright blue, and those are all representative of something. So the blue adds protection. The green provides abundance, and there, there have been a lot of hex signs with Irish luck and the four-leaf clover on there, and most of those hex signs are green. Uh, so those are provide abundance. White symbolize purity, and you see all of these hex signs are on a white background, and that symbolizes purity. Red stood for strong emotion, courage, strength, and those are all things that you need when you're setting up a home and a business and uh, taking care of a family. So um, the six points were originally um, what the symbols were revolving around, but as time went on, uh, four and five pointed stars started coming into being, and those were for good luck as well. If you saw an eight pointed star, that was specifically for abundance. A 16 pointed star, uh, they thought was really an assured way to uh, bring prosperity. And you see in this uh, hex sign next to me where it says there's two different spellings of welcome. Now, I can tell you the, the hex sign directly over here. Like I said, that was one that my dad gave me when I was 16. So it's an older version. And the one on the extreme <laughs> that way uh, is a newer 
version of welcome. And so, like, the, the one next to me is Vilkum, and the one next to that is Vilkomen. So, these are just derivations of a welcome. So, you're welcome in the home, but you need to know that the home is protected. And so, these are very interesting ways to protect your home. Protect your home, protect your business. Um, to bring in prosperity and abundance. These are readily for sale on Amazon and, and on eBay. Um, I think the one that says Willkommen on there is a Zook, is a Zook hex sign. Uh, the, usually the artist will sign the hex sign with their signature and the one that says Willkommen is signed with Zook. And so you can get these and put them up. I have them in my hallway that goes all the way down to my reading room. And um, I think they work really well because we've always had a happy, healthy, prosperous type of home here. And I'm really uh, excited to share that information with you. Now, on the posting, I said, you know, if you don't know what a brokery is or the Red Church, the Red Church refers to the practice of powwowing or browkery. And there's a book on Amazon called The Red Church. You can buy it. You can download it to Kindle. And you can read more specifics on all these collected folk remedies and traditions and spells and charms. And uh, like I said, I will leave a, a link on the comments to the... YouTube video on the documentary. I think you'll really like it. Now, hopefully we will get the um, show kind of straightened out and we'll figure out what we're doing. Because <laughs> this Facebook thing really threw me for a loop today. And also, I, I want to tell you guys, if let's just say Facebook gets shut down or whatever, I put the daily influence, the daily moon influence is going to be posted on MeWe, okay? And so, um, let me just put the name of it down here. The MeWe site uh, will have the daily moon influences. And so, you know, if you can't find that on Facebook, and, you know, Facebook and Instagram is where I post the daily stuff. I'm going to start putting it on the MeWe site. Hey, Amber, good to see you. We're signing off, but you'll have to go back and, and watch the show again uh, because it's a really good one. It's got a ton of great information, and I'm sure you'll want to get one of these hex signs for your house because they they work really, really well. And um I want to thank you guys for tuning in and coming on over and seeing me. It was good to see you guys here tonight. And so what I'm going to look at is just streaming from YouTube and um, maybe trying to find a way to stream from the website so that all people have to do is go to my website and they can watch the show from there because the platforms are so unreliable and we just don't know what's going to happen. So that's my plan. So if you 
if you would share that with other people and let them know, you know, where they can find the show and share the show. That That's so good. And it does help out quite a bit because basically I'm going to be starting all over again from scratch. So anyway, I hope you guys have a great week. And as always, kisses from Kentucky. And I will see you next Monday night. And don't forget, next Monday night is Dream Interpretation Night. And I have some doozies to give you. <laughs>